Hello and welcome to episode number 100 of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. We did it, Brendan. 100 episodes. 100 episodes, not counting the bonus episodes. Worth right. Uh, yeah. this, is, this is, I guess, episode 111 or something, technically, uh, but <laughs> canonical numbered episodes. <laughs> Those ones are not canon. None of those count. (laughs) Games of the Decade, not canon. Sorry. That's like the really long Smash Brothers fan fiction. It's just just a big thing that exists. Yeah. Yeah. If you you just want to see the word count get hit for the Guinness Book of World Records, go check out that Smash Brothers fan fiction or Games of the Decade episode. Um, I just want to say right at the top, uh, before other stuff i don't know we have a cool thing planned for this month's bonus episode to celebrate this being our 100th episode so like this is episode number 100 but we're trying to do something cool for the bonus this month um as a way to celebrate so uh this week we're just talking about like video games and we're just doing the normal episode thing um but for you and i it's very it's very special um i got some sake which i'm very excited to be drinking i i I messaged you and aj i said episode 100 gotta get something special yeah Uh, i tried to emulate your famous tiki drink but uh the store near me didn't have hard alcohol so i just got a six pack (laughs) but it's special for me you know yeah totally yeah Yeah. it's a it's a special day i mean i was just on my walk back from getting uh this sake i was thinking about where my life was at 100 episodes ago which uh i i didn't have a job uh and now i'm i'm currently recording in brooklyn uh, in a very small room uh, because I'm here all weekend looking for a new place to live in New York City. Oh, yeah. So, like, life has changed pretty dramatically, I, I would say, since we started the podcast, which is yeah. wild to look back on. Absolutely. I, it's gone by so quickly. I, I think it's uh, all really positive. This is this has been, I mean, we usually say this at the end, but this has been such a, like, lovely constant to have in, in our lives. You know, you and I making this. Like, we've we've had to take breaks every now and then, but, like, pretty much for the last two years, it's been every week. You know, that's yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, not, to, not to like be too self miss. <laughs> I just, you know, not to, not to toot our own horn too much, but I just think like there are very few things in my life that I have committed to weekly that have <laughs> stuck around that long, you know, yeah. in yeah, terms totally. of creative endeavors. Or yeah, I think I think it's just a testament to the fact that like way back in high school, you and I knew that we wanted to work together on something and then we yeah. didn't really hang out or do anything until way <laughs> after. I was uh, like, I'm six years older. Who's this sophomore who thinks he's so fucking cool? Yeah, I don't have time for this shit. And yeah, I with my, with my long Justin Bieber hair and satchel <laughs> instead of backpack. You and me both, Which are the pal. two reasons I got uh, most artistic as the, my superlative <laughs> in the high school yearbook was like just because I had a satchel and for no other reason. I got class clown just because I had a tiny car <laughs> <laughs> and shoes that honked. And anytime a teacher called on me, I'd make them uh, squeeze <laughs> yeah. pull my finger. I had my corsage. <laughs> which you... <laughs> At them. I was prom king and my corsage soaked the whole grade. Uh, good lord. All right. Well, clowning aside, uh, yeah. what are we talking about today, Brendan? This is honestly, I know you said this is a normal episode, but this is my favorite kind of episode because we're talking about a game, one that you and I both played, which is always a lot of fun. Because, yeah. like, I always enjoy hearing about something you played, or, or and I hope that you enjoy hearing about something that I played. <laughs> I always fucking but... hate whenever you talk about video games, <laughs> I hate and I only like blanks. when I talk about video games. You clown! <laughs> Spell it out! But, <laughs> good lord. But I, I really love when we both come in with, like, pretty much the same amount of time, too, for in this case. 
Uh, and it's also a game that you and I literally had never heard of and yeah. are loving. So it's like yeah, yeah. the perfect alchemy for for my favorite kind of episode. Uh, it is a game called CrossCode. We foreshadowed this at the end of last episode, so maybe not a huge surprise. But it is a game that was, I think, on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, like in 2012, 2013. Long time ago. Um, yeah, it's been a long time ago. And then it came out on PC in 2018, and it only recently came out on console and on Game Pass like a month ago. Yeah. Um, or maybe, you know, in the, in the, recent, in the recent history. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It came out. Uh, you and I both got it on Switch. Um, it was on sale, and I was like, I'm always hungry for that, like, perfect <laughs> level of intrigue. saving some money. <laughs> I'm always looking. I actually, I didn't get Class Clown. I got Cheap Clown. That was uh-huh. my superlative. Uh, <laughs> this guy loves pies in the face and bargains <laughs> buy those pies in bulk baby <laughs> why do you think my car is so small um oh my god <laughs> so crosscode had the perfect level of of intrigue and mystery for me that i was like i definitely like feel content checking this out <laughs> when you told me that this was the game you were playing and i googled it i was immediately like cool i'm excited for only steven to play this game <laughs> <laughs> like one glance at it i wrote it off immediately which i shouldn't have done and that was really uh, like shitty of me but i i'm so glad that i started playing it so you mentioned that you got it on switch i hopped on to game pass and i was just looking at the new stuff that was on game pass and cross code was like up there as like new on game pass cross code okay great cool i'll download it and i'll like give it some time just to be able to check it out just so i can like say that i also played it and like kind of know what i'm talking about um for the episode and i played about two hours this is uh, spoilers i played about two hours of it and loved it so much that i immediately bought it on switch which is now the second time that I've done that with a Game Pass game, which I think is really interesting from like an industry yeah. standpoint. And like, I don't I don't even know like what the takeaway from that is besides like maybe I'm bad with money. But like, I, I do think that this is going to be a more frequent thing for me potentially over time is like I'm always paying for Game Pass and I'm using it as a way to check a bunch of games out. And if I actually want to play them and they're on Switch, I will play them on Switch. Um, yeah. Moonlighter was the first game that did that with, by the way. It's worth yeah. Um, Moonlighter, which I also loved and played a shitload of. But yeah, Talk about I played a good bargain. So yeah. the game's all about shopkeeping. I had to bring it, it back. Sure, it sure is. Yeah. Uh, great game. Anyway, yeah. So this is on Game Pass if you have Game Pass. And it's also on Switch. Uh, I do want to mention, like, also kind of right at the top, this is a game that when it launched on Switch had a bunch of, like, bugs and issues and things like that that a lot of people were talking about that have been patched as of our recording this episode. Yeah. Um, so Noticeably. Yeah. Yes. Like, literally within the first day I started playing it on Switch and the next day when the patch came out, it was, like, a night and day difference. Um, yeah. There are still, I would say, like, some frame rate drops in the starting town that are so like inconsequential that you probably wouldn't have even noticed them if i didn't bring them up so sorry for cursing you via this mp3 file um <laughs> but yeah it, it runs really well now i mean there, there were yeah. issues with the menu where like switching tabs in a menu would take like two to three seconds every time yeah. uh, and now it's silky smooth yeah okay that's all the preamble about Cross i just want to say real quick though like i think the not to be like uh making any business predictions on into the aether low-key video game podcast episode 100 tm but i think like as game as a service i just like so game- vividly pictured fireworks <laughs> <laughs> while you said all that i don't know why anyway i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay it's the summer baby i feel like 
if a service like Game Pass could become the norm per se of like this sort of like tertiary experience, following that up with like, oh shit, I really like this, I want to have it permanently, yeah, makes sense. And I think that's what kind of happens with movies right now, at least for me, where like. I might watch something on Netflix, and then if I really like it, I want to have it forever. Yeah, you know, yeah, totally. I don't want to be beholden to like if it's available or not. So yeah, I imagine Microsoft and Phil Spencer would want you to purchase that thing through the Xbox Store and own it forever, because that is a thing you can do, and it's a thing that they try and lead you to do on Game Pass. But you got it on Switch. <laughs> yeah, but I frequently I'm like, oh, it's on Switch. Obviously, I'm going to get it there instead. Totally. Yeah, and this is a really fun game to have on Switch because, you know, I mean, pretty much you can just, without even me saying it, if it if it's like a good port, it's worth having on Switch, basically. Yes. Like, yes. you know, just the ability to have a handheld is really magical. Anyway. And this game rocks in handheld. Yeah. I have, I've talked a lot on this show about how I almost never play my switch in handheld mode this is a game that i love playing in handheld yeah so anyway i want you were you were kind of setting up your your experience in this game i want to hear more about that before i go into mine because i feel like it's going to be a whole monologue so please tell me you went in thinking it was going to be a steven game that you would roll your eyes at and then you played it for two hours yeah so i i asked you right like at the end of last week's episode um i said crosscode is the name of the video game does it have anything to do with chrono cross or chrono trigger like or, and i was is, like <laughs> no yeah uh yeah, I, I was just I looking at the that. visuals and and seeing that name it just seemed like you know th- there are games like stardew valley that exist to like harken back to the people who loved harvest moon um and you know just insert xyz game and and i just expected that this was probably going to be some kind of homage to something else um, maybe by way of like a Chrono Trigger, which is why you were so drawn to it. I actually don't know how you found this game or why you wanted to play it in the first place, but uh, we can talk about it um, and like really hash it out. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, what the hell happened? What the fuck, dude? Uh, anyway, so I I don't know. I I just it didn't seem like the kind of thing that I wanted to play because uh, I thought honestly that it was trying to be like a 1632 bit JRPG kind of thing, like early days of Final Fantasy or Square Games or uh, Fire Emblem and things like that, Um, which like as much as I enjoy those things now, I probably would not enjoy the game like trying to be those things in 2020 from um, yesteryear yeah yes, like exactly. emulating the older ones yeah yeah so uh that that was kind of that was kind of my I, I guess like hard-rooted bias going into it um but then i i i don't know i just saw it on game pass and i downloaded it and i started playing it and i was very surprised to find out immediately that it was like real-time action combat that feels um a little bit hyper light driftery which is actually a game that i'm probably going to talk about a lot more than i thought i was going to um yeah when talking about this game weirdly enough but yeah it has real-time action combat so you're kind of like dashing around the map uh you're using the right analog stick to point in a direction kind of like a twin stick shooter in a way uh so you're you're pointing in a direction and then using the trigger buttons to like shoot orbs because you're a spheromancer which we'll get into i guess more on that later yeah yeah uh i I actually think we do have to get into that because whoa (laughs) um anyway yeah so uh yeah you're shooting a bunch of orbs and then you all also have like a melee attack so you can like dash up to somebody and like whack them a couple times like up close and then move back and things like that um and if you're aiming in a direction you hold the aim in that direction for a while it like does like a charge shot um akin to like a a metroid kind of situation so there's like a lot oh yeah and then there's also like a guard like a block and like i said there's like a dodge roll kind of like a super smash brothers so there's uh there's a lot going on and they throw it all at you pretty much immediately um i I do think the tutorial is i mean it takes like 45 minutes to an hour to 
just about and like is broken up in such a way where like none of that really feels daunting until you get to the end of the tutorial and they make you fight like a big ass like robot crab boss and that's the moment where you have to put it all together and that could be a little bit daunting and i died a couple times on that uh on my first run through the opening of the game but uh yeah and then and then you show up in the world and um it turns into (laughs) fucking wildly enough it turns into a zelda game which i also wasn't expecting Um, yeah it's it's zelda by way of like an mmo which uh maybe maybe i should hand it off to you to talk about a little bit yeah um uh (laughs) did someone say zelda the MMO that was my that was actually my high school superlative um <laughs> anyway <laughs> Stephen Hilger the beetle which is also kind of my hair anyway just to kind of just real quick frame what this game is it is a real-time uh, action RPG like you said with the combat and the story is basically <laughs> it's you know it, it really like the premise of this game if i was told beforehand might have been off-putting to me because yeah. i think that this type of thing can either really work or really not yes um, i completely and, agree and basically so what it is is it is a action rpg that takes place in a fictional mmo so you play as a character named leah who is something called an avatar which is basically like it's an MMO that exists in in a real place. So like, it, <laughs> Wait, it's can, already I, can, kind I, of... can I do this real quick? <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. It's so it's so hard to describe. I've tried it to is. describe it to other people. Okay, wait. So my my understanding of this is that um, <laughs> akin to a Westworld, the the HBO show Westworld, and I, I think less the original movie, but more the HBO show specifically. Uh, there's a there's a company that created uh, a space, a ver- uh, a real actual space, it's an island out in the middle of the ocean where they have they have created an MMO that exists, and to access the MMO, you have to like from your house or your apartment or whatever put on some kind of like thing some kind of like head gear or whatever that will allow you to assume the form of an android called an avatar in this case which is very much like the james cameron film avatar in a weird way uh you you assume the form of one of these avatars and then that is how you are kind of making your way around the world is is via these like androids that are moving about a real space in the real world that you are also in but you know because it's not actually you you're not actually getting hurt and whatever um so that's kind of the big difference between gotcha. west world i would say is like in west world you are visiting as yourself and in this you are accessing an android right. at who is technically you um so, so every oh go ahead so you are playing as leah who is an android who has lost their memory essentially you you are you are a, assumedly a player character like a real person somewhere in the distance is that's is, the thing there's yes. no player for her so that's why they're intrigued by her because okay wild she's an avatar that isn't linked to any player so the game begins you're on a boat that's like actually it's worth it's worth noting <laughs> this game is like describing a dream. Anyway, uh, it truly the game is, yeah. begins with a prologue that is very much just like Final Fantasy. It's like very straightforward. Like yeah. you play as a character who like is a little bit too powerful. You're like learning the very basics. Yeah. Um, and she goes to save her brother who's like being overworked at a computer. And then it cuts to Leah on the boat. And sh- and kind of like she's being put through trials by the people who are on this boat, who are also the people that are like essentially, I guess, monitoring the game itself. But they're they're trying to figure out what Lee's deal is because, like you said, she lost her memory and she's mute, but she's seemingly not linked to any player. So she just sort of exists independent of like yeah. anyone. 
so the tutorial is basically on the boat, which which I think is why it doesn't feel daunting because you're it's it's also story beats and like you're meeting the crew of this boat and like that I was kind of in from go because the presentation is like really beautiful. Like we we reference that it it kind of is is evoking like a Chrono Trigger pixel SNES art style, but it's like really well done. Like it's it's like the one of the best versions of that type of graphical fidelity I've seen, honestly. I totally um, agree. And and as I imagine you were about to bring up, the music is like oh my unbelievable. God, yeah. I, so I messaged good. you when I turned the game on on Game Pass that I hadn't started the game because I spent 15 minutes just hanging out on the title screen listening to the music. Yeah. Instead of actually playing the game, because I loved it so much. Um, yeah. It, it is really striking, the presentation of this game, um, which is something I, I want to, like, really deep dive into a little bit later. So I think the because the game starts with that prologue, I think I w- didn't bump up against the tutorial quite as much, because, like, you are really intrigued at what's going on here. Yeah. So by the time you, like, finish the trials on the boat, like, the crew, like, lets you kind of run around freely. And, and I think there's, like, a... There's a programmer who is like sort of your sidekick who is trying to hard code your ability to speak back. Yeah. And he lets you say hi. Uh, and like mm-hmm. the 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 art style of the characters is very simple, but the facial expressions are really good. Like it's all text, but like yeah. especially for your for your protagonist Leah, like she has so many really funny facial expressions that like really emulate like a a strong sense of character from so and i think that's like that sums up what the game is doing well where a lot of it is so meta but it's not meta in like a oh this exists therefore we're like poking fun at it and pointing at it but it's meta in the sense of like them taking a narrative opportunity to explore a game tradition so like yeah the the silent protagonist is, is, is such a default thing that they're actually treating that as like part of the game itself and you're seeing leah kind of facially deal with like the ability to only be able to say hi yeah and like her excitement at being able to learn one word and then like running into scenarios where she quickly realizes that just saying hi is not great um <laughs> so you're, you you kind of go around the boat and then eventually like a very final fantasy-esque villain from the mmo and the mmo like is very like fantasy star online like oh yeah aesthetic yeah and it's it's in stark contrast to the people on the boat who are kind of in like very just modest like fishing garb almost like it's yeah. a very like blue collar boat and uh this villain shows up from uh the playground is what it's called is the island where the mmo is yeah and they don't really know like what his deal is or why he's there he summons that big crab like you that you mentioned and that's like the first big boss and you eventually beat it and uh they're like okay we don't know what the hell is going on between like you existing and this weird guy showing up like just go to the playground and like pretend to be playing and like you know fit in there yes uh so then the game begins, you you as Leah go to the playground, and you are now in this MMO. And this is where I think the game could either really take off, which it does, or like fall flat on its face. Um, I think the reason it really works is because the interpretation of the MMO doesn't feel too fourth wall breaking. Like all the characters you meet, like even though they're players playing as their avatars... They really do roll in. They're at least either playing very much as as themselves or they're rolling into whoever their online persona is. Yes. So, like, one of the first characters you meet is this dude who's also a spheromancer, which is apparently like the least popular class, which is very funny. Right. Um, and he's like, 
you're one level higher than you're supposed to be in the starting area. Like, yeah, I you must be justice. cheating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and you know, like, so like that's that's something that like works because it's basically it's not him just saying MMO stuff for a laugh. It's him being like, "Who are you and why are you here?" That's the that's the like language of the scene, right? You know, yeah. And he doesn't trust you. But then you get into the MMO, and and honestly, I think why this game is so wonderful to play is that the MMO is very good. Like yeah. it's a really, it's it's yes. two good games inside of each other. That's that's I think the biggest thing you can say about this game, just in terms of like how successful it is at accomplishing its its uh its setup is like the fact that you very frequently forget that you are playing a fake MMO because because the depth to which they have realized what this MMO is is like unbelievable and it becomes uncanny to a certain point like as you start to do the opening stuff cuz like so you you've done the tutorial for this game crosscode but then you have to do a different tutorial for this game within this game like you have to do what what is the MMO called i forget what it's called i don't know but you end you end up in a town called rookie harbor where there's like it's a very like final fantasy 14 starting area with like a marketplace like, and all that kind yeah. of stuff yeah and you have to like yeah. go and you have to meet all the all the leaders of all the guilds and stuff um and and you start to accumulate quests that are like there are just so f- many fucking quests like you're you're I mean, you could do all of them technically if you wanted to. But like, should you? Probably not. And I think that's kind of where I started to click with the game like really, really hard was this realization when I looked at my quest log and I had like 10 different quests that I was supposed to do. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll just start doing some side quests. And then I thought to myself, why? Why would I do these side quests? I, I, I clicked back to the fact that I'm playing a video game within a video game. Like, no, uh, my whole thing right now is that I'm <laughs> supposed to be figuring out who I am and what I am. Yeah. And like, I'm just here to blend in for a little bit. I don't actually have to play the MMO. I don't yeah. actually have to grind and like do all these side quests and like have a good reputation with this guild leader like none of that shit actually matters which is really wild there's like this thick layer of irony on top of the mmo that's like we have made something that is so good that you will actually want to play this instead of the actual game that that we broke you into and i mean a lot of the quests are fulfilled just by like going a bit more into the mechanics you run around esley and eventually you meet another player named um, emily or amelie yeah. She speaks in French sometimes, and uh, she is sort of like your like kind of strong head first rival friend mm-hmm. uh, who like is someone that seems to be like very unpretentiously just talking as they would in real life. So like, yes, she feels like you just met her actually. You know, there's there there at least at this point in the early game, we're both like maybe three or four hours in, five hours. She seems like if you met the player, they'd be the same kind of person. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. And she's like a a uh, monk kind of character. She's like in their face, punching them, and you're usually from afar throwing spheres. <laughs> which is so funny. Love to mance spheres. Yeah, the the combat is really good because it's so fast. Like even just running around the map feels really good. Yeah. It's very fast. And there's also weirdly a platforming and puzzle element to the game, which is what you're alluding to with Zelda, where like a lot of the dungeons are like aiming your spheres to hit switches and jump from one platform to the other. And like this is the only time I've seen this sort of like, I guess, borderline isometric 2D view work for platforming. Somehow the level of depth is like very well established. And it's also just like really like it feels really good to run around and to jump like it. It's a really well 
it just it just I, I haven't seen a platforming mechanic that that works like this that feels as good as this does yeah. um which is i think the only reason that those puzzles and those dungeons aren't like supremely frustrating even in the yeah. overworld um i don't know if you've noticed this yet but like pretty much everywhere you go in the overworld there are a ton of secrets um, yeah. like rookie harbor for example you can run all along the rooftops and like through alleyways and there are like a bunch of quests you can pick up and a bunch of like wild people you can meet in rookie harbor before you've even really done anything just because there's so much room to like explore and jump around and that's really a testament to like both incredible level design, but also just the the excellence of this platforming. Like it it is it is really a joy to just explore a place before you have to do the thing you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I find that, you know, it's definitely worth leveling up. Like I kind of was just sort of like rushing to get to the next objective. And I met up with that guy again, who was like, I, as a fellow Sphere-mancer, like challenge you to a duel. Yes. And he even said before the duel, he was like, you're really low level and have like shit gear. Are you sure you want to do this? (laughs) I was like, yeah, dude, absolutely. And I lost, but like the game continued, even though I lost, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So I, I find that most of the quests are completed just by like existing in the environment and like enjoying it. And yeah. there's something uh, with leveling up that I think is brilliant that I would love to see more games do is it's up to you to aggro most enemies on the map. Like most enemies are neutral. And if you hit them, you know, you'll you'll enter a battle phase like seamlessly. Like, there's, there's no like scene transition. They're just like on the map. Very much like, uh, you know, Chrono Trigger or Trials of Mana. Yeah. Um, and once you finish the battle, there's like a timer where like, if you find more enemies, you can keep it going and you get a higher rank. So you can kind of it's up to you when the battle ends. And th- there's this really nice risk reward system of like if you keep the battle going and you think you can pull it off and you end the battle with a really high rank, you get more experience and more you know money from that. Which yeah. like is such a cool way because that that kind of that that negates the need to grind. You know, it's like right. you don't have to just go through the motions. Like, okay, I'm gonna see if I can pull this off. Um, yeah, it, it's as if it's as if like in a Pokemon game, and this game is pulling a lot from Pokemon in a weird way. But anyway, yeah. it's, it's as if in a Pokemon game, you like went into the start menu and said, okay, now it's battle time. And every time you completed a battle, you would get a multiplier on the next one. Is kind of how this works. Um, yeah. So, so literally at any moment, you can just run out and you can be like, this is the time where I'm just gonna get a shitload of experience and just run through an entire open area and just fight every enemy you possibly can and ignore literally everything else um and it 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 owns it's really cool it's yeah. a really great way to to like power level if you have to but it doesn't feel like power leveling it's it's really it's very seamless it's really well done and there, the leveling system is great where like you level up and you get more health and your stats increase but there's also a i always use sphere grid as a point of reference it's a sphere like, grid it's a sphere grid it's called like you know i think it's called like grid or something yeah or circuits yeah. um but you there are different like skill trees to go down and like you can get additional special moves that like are really like you know that sounds like okay of course that that's how this progresses but like because there's already so many mechanics here it could easily feel overwhelming but it really just enhances it like you really end up like seeing yourself get better in a way that like i think some mmos feel like you're just sort of like relying on the numbers but this game is like a really good balance of skill and like getting more abilities like you could run into a higher level area and if you're savvy enough with dodging and blocking, you could take on high level enemies, you know, yeah. it's going to be a lot harder, which I think is the way to do leveling. It's like, okay, there's still a semblance of chance, but it's just going to improve your odds if you're higher level. Yeah, I'm at a point where like, I'm really hungry for the next cross code beat. 
because I like want to know what's up, but mm-hmm. I'm still very much in the MMO. And like, I think that the pacing is really neat and that they kind of leave you hanging a little bit where they're like, okay, you're on your own in this weird MMO island. Yeah, we have, it's <laughs> like we have a bunch of shit to figure out. Like, you're going to be fine. I mean, it's early yeah. levels, like whatever, our, just play the video our, game. Our whole career is working on this boat, making sure this game doesn't have bugs. Now we have a sentient android and like Sephiroth. So like, go play. <laughs> go to the playground. And like, you know, when the guy calls you out for being one level higher the programmer who's helping you learn more words is like, that was super close. Like you're a level higher because of that crab you fought. Like yeah. he almost realized you were, he almost you know, blew the doors wide open. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is, a, and, and that's the stuff where I think the meta works. But what I realized, and this is a weird parallel, but bear with me. I had the same, like as we were playing this game before recording and I was just running around leveling up and going back to town and stuff. I had the same kind of connection I had with, Kentucky Route Zero oh, wow. with the entertainment, the act that is a play. Oh, yeah. You watch, you watch a one-act play, and then later on, that is connected to the game in the sense that that plot beat happened, but you experienced it as a play. And, and you mm-hmm. brought up in our episode about it, like, what is are all games plays like what's the difference between the medium yeah and weirdly without them having to name it i feel like a lot of rpgs end up becoming mmos at some point without naming it directly like the idea of having an opening that is very plot centric setting up the mechanics in the plot and then they throw you into a weird town where everyone's like hello do you want to level up like that's very much like how rpgs actually progress so like even though it's this far out concept that sounds like really off-putting it works because those are the beats that rpgs usually follow yeah this game is just taking advantage of like what if we really look deep on this and like realized how like kind of unimmersive that style of like rpg town is and to say no this is a fake game you're in right now yeah i think that's really fascinating <laughs> yeah you and i uh you and i played a bunch of final fantasy 12 the zodiac age recently uh, which i don't <laughs> yeah. th- i don't know how much we talked about that on the show did we even talk about it on the show we did a little bit uh but i would love to talk about it more again sometime yeah no me too um it's (laughs) it's an incredible game um and and one of the things that i found most interesting about it was how it just feels like a blueprint for final fantasy 14 like it really is doing literally everything that an mmo would do including the combat system which is very mmo adjacent um but is a single player game and i remember playing it for the first time just thinking like this is a fucking dream for me like Mm -hmm. this is an mmo where I just get to experience it all by myself. And like you lose that sense of I I would say the problem with every MMO just about or like most online multiplayer games in general, like I would like lump Destiny and and the Division and games like that into this as well, where like you are the protagonist, you're the most important person here. But also there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands of other people who are also being told that they're the most important person. Like that that has always been kind of a bummer to me from a narrative standpoint that a lot of games I think need to like really figure out how to avoid because like i don't know it that that just is a maybe it's just a gripe for me but final fantasy 12 i found really uh kind of refreshing in that i actually was the protagonist right and there was nobody else playing that game what's weirdly ironic about that game is that the play like the main character is not really that important to the plot yeah uh, which is great (laughs) i want to be a sky pirate yeah yeah he he, yeah he's just a a kind of shitty kid but uh (laughs) 
at least in that game, it, it felt like the things that you were doing were meaningful in a way that they never could be in an actual MMO. Right. Um, and right. this game is giving me all of that within another layer, which I, I think is like really, really, really stellar. I mean, at the end of the day, what I find this to be is just like fucking good sci-fi. Like this is yeah. this is like a really incredible sci-fi concept that we've seen play out before. I mean, other things have done this. Dot Hack is a series that like yes. kind yeah, of is adjacent similar. to this. Um, the A lot of people hate this show, but I'll bring it up anyway. Sword Art Online is another uh, show that like is about a bunch of kids who are stuck in an MMO. Um, there, there's another one that's, I think, a Crunchyroll exclusive recently. It's called Tower of God, which I don't think is technically MMO, but it's like feels weirdly similar yeah. to this uh, in that I mean, in that it, way. I even got Digimon vibes in a, in yes, a sense, you know, in totally. terms of like having this you know i mean and all that really is is like what is this other world and how does it relate to the real world quote unquote yeah. i mean it's the same thing with persona right it is how you flavor it yeah. um and i, I, th- and I think that this game is is doing something with that concept that is like markedly different in yes. that it's the first time i've ever seen it be interactive it's the first time i've ever been actually able to explore that mmo myself and play it as an mmo i mean that honestly I'll, I'll say this about sword art online which is a show that i also don't like very much but i did watch the first two seasons of anyway um <laughs> uh-huh. after my time with those first two seasons i thought to myself i didn't like this show but i would absolutely play that mmo it seems like it fucking rips actually uh, yeah. and this game is giving me that i mean this game is giving me that mmo that i that i wanted to play but also i know that my my uh my actions will have some kind of impact in a way because not only am i the protagonist right I, I am like the most important person in this mmo from like a story perspective because that's what the 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 mmo is telling me but there's another layer on top of that where i am like uh, the fucking bug in the system i'm the ghost in the shell i am like literally maybe the most important thing in the world also outside of the mmo uh, so yeah. everything i do is going to ripple out in some wild way that's going to make a lot of people question a lot of things about the nature of 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 life and humanity and everything else i mean i've talked about this uh a, a lot on maybe on this show maybe not but like i've talked about this a lot just kind of in the aether <laughs> but <laughs> i'm so hundred but one of my favorite tropes in like every piece of sci-fi is just like the android trying to be human i think it's like one of the most interesting ways to just kind of explore the like innate qualms with being a, a, a real human person on the planet earth um data from star trek next generation is like a huge touch point for me and and my favorite marvel character for a long time has been vision i think i think vision's uh exploration of what it means to be human has been really fascinating over the course of like his run as a character uh in the marvel universe specifically the marvel cinematic universe but if you if you want to go go read tom king's vision it's an incredible graphic novel um that is so much about that but this game is like starting to bump up against that which is like i couldn't believe how much this game is for me the more i started playing it you know and and that's why that's why i was uh recommending it to you so strongly because i just i felt like that would resonate with you and i'm glad it has the thing is i haven't even gotten to that stuff yet like i just yeah. i know that it's there and and i have enough faith now in at the point that i'm at i have enough faith in the writing and the characterization and and just the developers in general that like they will take it to that point it seems totally. like they're going to explore that stuff in a way that is uh narratively satisfying and like maybe even uh kind of revelatory and and that's that's really like thrilling to know that that's around literally any corner i'm going to start to hear that stuff i also haven't experienced the game that has like led with question marks and not 
been a frustrating experience. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. like there, there's such a perfect balance of intrigue with the plot that I'm like, I mean, something that, that I find really, really kind of interesting is, is these sort of emotional layers to mundane moments where like before we recorded, I was running around basically grinding yeah. with Amelie, who is, who like, you know, as you level up, she's like, wow, like we're on a roll. This is great. And like when you play with her, she's eventually, okay, I'm just going to like log off. I'll see you tomorrow. But like she doesn't realize you're just like, sleeping on the island somewhere yeah, like, just there forever, <laughs> she gets yeah. to log off and you're just there forever but i think like that friendship i'm really invested in because she is just someone who like likes playing with you despite the fact that you only know how to say hi and bye and, you're, and there's actually i was touched there's a moment where like when she leaves your first time playing together that's like the exact moment the programmer codes leah to say goodbye yeah. And it's like in the perfect time. I was like, that was really sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really like, it's funny. It's, it's interesting. It's good sci-fi. That, that's the perfect way to say it. I can, I can't recommend this game enough. I think it's really like, it, it, it hits a lot of notes. It, it's definitely a, a game that, that is, uh, you know, I think Hyper Life Drifter mechanically is a good point of comparison. But I think in terms of like when you're going to be playing this game, I think it fills a similar place as like weirdly, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a Dragon Quest where it's like yeah. you play to unwind and just enjoy being in this world. Absolutely. Yeah, that was actually the the thing I wanted to drill down into if, if you don't mind. Okay, cool. I, I yeah, think go for it. This, this kind of aesthetic, this like kind of 32-bit adjacent pixel art aesthetic, I think is a thing that a lot of developers attempt and like succeed at in a lot of instances but the the thing that I tend to struggle with in a lot of games that are trying to to go for this is that I I don't feel a sense of place and atmosphere like I don't I don't actually feel immersed in these places um and and I'm about to bring up a couple games and like I'm not saying that these games are bad I want that to be very clear I've talked very highly about some of these games um but like Katana Zero is a game that is attempting to do this kind of art style I don't feel like I'm in the world of Katana Zero when I'm playing it it is just uh like a well-achieved visual aesthetic to like run around in like that game mechanically feels so good that that I, I I think it's incredible and I actually do really like the aesthetic of it but I don't feel like I'm there. Hyper Light Drifter, I think, is actually a really rare example where you do feel like you're in that place and you do understand what it means to be in that world as you're running around it with that pixel art aesthetic. Binding of Isaac, literally one of my favorite games of all time, is not a game that I could... I couldn't tell you what it feels like to be in mom's basement. Like, that's not like... <laughs> <laughs> that's not just like a vibe that I that I have uh, or that, that that game elicits within me. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it just is. It just is the art style, you know. Um, but but again, it's an incredible game. Mechanically, it's awesome. And I think that those visuals really aid it. Um, Hyper Light. Uh, sorry. Uh, Hotline Miami is another game that I think does that kind of visual aesthetic to a great degree. And I could tell you what it feels like to be in some of those levels specifically. Some of them elicit that thing within me that's like, oh my God, I know exactly what this nightclub feels like, um, which is yeah. like thrilling in those moments where it clicks. And then there are other places that's like, this is just some guy's dorm room and it super doesn't click, you know? Um, <laughs> and and I, I would say the cross code absolutely accomplishes this. We're like, I just, in the same way, I, I think I'm very glad you brought up Dragon Quest in the same way that I love to just be in the world of Dragon Quest. And I kind of don't care what I'm doing as long as I'm there. I feel the same way about CrossCode when I'm when I'm running around in that world. I'm just like so thrilled to be in it. 
Um, which like not only is is interesting from like, you know, just just talking about the pixel art aesthetic and like how well accomplished it is. But also there's another meta narrative level there where it's like that's actually what they want because it's an MMO, yeah. right? Like they right. want you to want to be in that world also. So there, there are multiple angles to its success, I think. And, and that's kind of like the story of this game to me is like it is accomplishing so many things simultaneously that are all extremely hard to pull off. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that it does any of them is shocking. And the fact that it does all of them almost feels like it should be impossible. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know why I keep bringing up the Avengers, but this feels to me weirdly like the first Avengers movie where it's like there's no way that that movie should have worked. It's a fucking miracle that you could have that many characters in a thing and that and that narrative makes sense and everybody gets their time. This this feels to me just like that in that like mechanically it's, it's knocking out of the park. Aesthetically, it's knocking out of the park. Narratively, it's knocking out of the park. Uh, every character is interesting and I love hanging out with all of them. The music is amazing. It, it just like nails literally everything it's trying to do, which is yeah. so rare. And that I think like just to put a bow on all of that, it, it feels to me like the the like true fucking indie darling situation that I don't think we've had since like Hollow Knight to me or like Celeste like those two games I think are ones that came out um, Hollow Knight specifically like came out on PC for a while and like a lot of people who played it on PC were like this is one of the best games in a really long time but nobody's playing it because it's only on PC and then it was released everywhere else and everybody including me had the like brain blast holy shit moment with Hollow Knight Um, this feels like that I think that this is the moment for CrossCode and I hope that we're not the only ones talking about it and doesn't seem like it i've heard it mentioned no. on triple click which is the great podcast um that used to be kotaku split screen and then also uh recently mentioned very briefly on the most recent episode of besties so like it's a game that i think people are checking out and i think it's just like so recent and it's such a long game that people haven't like fully i think wrapped their heads around what they think about it but pretty much everything i've seen and heard so far has been like this is really good i'm not done with it yet but yeah it, it feels like something special and as long as it sticks the landing like this is going to go down is like probably one of the best games i played this year um yeah easily yeah i agree and i, and I think two points on that uh going a little bit back to game pass i think that a positive from a service like game pass and a positive from like re-releasing games in general or like older games coming out you know to console later is this element of like games being discovered later yeah you know like i think it's a lot harder for older games to kind of resurface the same way like older movies can. Um, yeah, totally. And, and you know, you shouldn't be beholden to like the two months you're the new game on a shelf to determine what your success is. Yeah. I mean, especially if you look at movies, like some of the movies we, we herald as being like classics were like bombs critically <laughs> commercially yeah you know like and i don't know if the same can be said for games but i do think we're seeing more and more games that might have come out to like a divisive reception that are later be pointed to as like, oh this game actually did something really cool yeah I, I saw an article recently that said the cross code is being played more on game pass than every other platform combined yeah um, which i mean every other platform has like a pretty sizable user base so like that means that a lot of people are playing this game on game pass yeah. and a lot of people are playing this game total which uh which rules it's great i'm glad it feels like a it feels like it came from outer space because it's like it was you know a kickstarter game in 2012 it came out in 2018 but now it's out again like it's like when did this happen yeah uh, but uh another quick point on on meta and and i was trying to think to myself like what is it about games that are meta that could either like really heighten the experience or like completely shatter it and i think for me to put it in broad strokes meta fails a game when it's used as a shield 
You know, when mm. when a game yeah. is like when a game does something and then it looks at the camera and goes like, oh, I did that. Isn't that ridiculous? And yeah. you're like, now it's I'm, the equivalent it's like, of like scary movie. Right. Or like yeah. when a stand up comedian says like, wow, that joke stunk. And you're like, OK, now I have nothing. But there's yeah. a difference between being self-deprecating and like diffusing your craft in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I think when meta works is in games like CrossCode. And I was going to, you know, I was thinking about Undertale as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, both those games use meta as a way to really highlight an element of a game that often goes like kind of unconsciously under the surface. So it's like, OK, what if we really explored this sort of like emotional plot of being a silent protagonist like, what does it look like when a character knows they can't speak but wants to yeah um what does it look like when a character is like thrust into this like story of identity but has to do bullshit side quests in an mmo that is like literally every rpg you have this save the world mission but you have to you know race chickens to get the best summon like that <laughs> yeah. is every rpg right and the fact that this game is the fact that this game is like oh shit sephiroth exists and here's an android that's come to life by itself uh just just go fuck around for a bit it's yeah. like literally the equivalent of making link herd sheep at the beginning of twilight princess <laughs> right and that's that's why i think the mmo thing works so well it's sort of like it's pointing at it's it, if you took out that it was an mmo it would feel like a, a great rpg you know just yeah. go, okay here's where i am now i gotta figure out where that that villain went and go from there and undertale does the meta in a way that is really interrogating how much can you leave behind a save file you know mm-hmm. like what goes into restarting a game uh and and are you just trying to see everything or are you comfortable with an experience happening once yeah uh so like i think meta is kind of this really strong spice that can either you know like really highlight something that the game is built around and i think in this case crosscode seemingly is built around this idea of place and and where does this character belong and where are they from you yeah. know and like uh i think as a player we're drawn uh, we find ourselves kind of blurring the lines of like what you know we forget that this is an MMO we forget that there's another plot happening at least in the beginning at least in these like first five hours so yeah. I think it ends up becoming like you said really good sci-fi really good satire or at least commentary on on how RPGs tend to be structured I, I, it's incredible it's so good I'm so happy we both like it yeah um, yeah incredible would highly recommend yeah i'm really really loving it so far um and it's out it seems like pretty much everywhere i don't know if it's out on ps4 like for sure but i do know that it's out on pc and game pass on xbox and on nintendo switch so if you have any of those uh definitely definitely at least check it out if if you know any of that sounds like it's up your alley um yeah I my only regret is that I haven't played more of it yet, honestly. Um, and, and to be <laughs> fair, that's like mainly because I've been so busy recently that like when I go to check it out, it's like 11 at night and then I play it for like 30 minutes and I fall asleep. While right. I'm playing it. Um, right. Um, yeah. And it also is a game. I will say this. It's a little bit hard to gauge like where to go next. But I think because it's so fun to explore, that doesn't really matter. Uh, and you eventually will find out. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, you also are running into NPCs in, in CrossCode, but like real people within this fake MMO who are like leading you through it, which is wild. Like there are actual characters in this game whose job it is to be like, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm level, you know, I'm, I'm like max level. I've been playing this game since it came out and uh, I know exactly where to go. Like, come on. Like, uh, what is it? Amelie's one of Amelie's friends is yeah. like is like max level and like helps run one of the guilds or something. And he like meets you at Rookie Harbor and like shows you around um, and then is like, all right, well, I got to get back to the guild. But I, I guess 
good luck just like fighting what are they called hedge hags or whatever yeah, and that's like <laughs> that's the same beat as in pokemon silver and gold or crystal which we recently did an episode about where the guy is like let me show you what this town is there's the poke center yes there's the mart i'm gonna go back home good luck like it's it's hitting beats that are in other rpgs and i think uh the topic of npcs is really fascinating because it's like it's directly pointing out who's an important character by who has a player or not yes. you know like if this if, if fire emblem three houses was an mmo the gatekeeper would be an npc yeah and like ferdinand would be someone playing yeah. you know the the distinction in this game between who is a who is an actual player character and who is an npc in this mmo is really fascinating because it seems to be very blurry um, yeah and and i'm i'm still not entirely sure how to tell in some instances who i'm talking same to. yeah um, and i think i think that's why it works i think I, there there are some like jokes like you know if you're fighting a bunch of enemies like we talked about there are these like turtles with headphones and emily at one point is like what are they listening to they're like really into this yeah uh, or there's one point on that where like there's a bunch of bunnies and they're she was like i thought these were cute but like never mind let's kill all of them like these are <laughs> you know pain in my ass yeah but like those are things that a character in an rpg would also say yeah you know so or it's your like, friend while you're playing an mmo right and yeah. and and that line is very fascinating too it's like we could go on and on i honestly think we will definitely revisit this game as we get farther in um i really want to yeah yeah unless it like totally <laughs> gets bad but i don't see that happening yeah i i I have enough, like you said, I have enough faith in where it's going. And I think that prologue is really important and really like kind of like that's the game being like trust that this is going to go back to this at some point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I I do want to mention just a complete like non sequitur thing about this game. I guess maybe not a non sequitur, but um, I did find a master ball in my most recent like play session, which was really interesting. Um, Did you find the master ball? No. I found a master ball and I went and looked into my inventory and it was like, you know, an old device used to catch legendary beasts <laughs> that's awesome and i have no idea how to use it or what it's for but sure i sure do have it and and the only implication i could think of beyond the fact that a lot of times i feel like this game is for people who played pokemon in the 90s in a way and like have grown yeah. up and want something meteor like this is weirdly like maybe a good game for you to play there is also the like in fiction uh potential explanation that like before it was this mmo they tried to make like a real pokemon mmo on this island um and a master ball is like <laughs> it's like a leftover item that was used in that old version of the mmo um that's amazing but i don't know yeah crosscode it's fucking good man it's great i i we this whole show is us talking about games we like but this is definitely gonna be like you know in in our in our like top collection of games we're like champ like celeste Hollow Knight, Dragon's Dogma, uh-huh. games we like have really put on a pedestal. Uh, this is definitely one of them. Yeah. So. We, we haven't mentioned the Dragon's Dogma anime that um, got like dated recently. I did realize that yeah. we, we brought it up in our first episode about Dragon's Dogma um, because it got when when I think uh, Dark Arisen got released on Switch, they also simultaneously announced that they were making an anime and now it's actually happening. Um, That's amazing. So I, I do I do foresee a situation in which Steven and I talk about the anime on this podcast, which will be the one time that we talk about an anime on this podcast unless yeah. because they also just announced a splinter cell anime which sounds hilarious and i can't I wait to watch say that. unless they make a cats 2019 anime <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes then we'll also talk about that uh cool yeah uh crosscode before we get before that becomes the whole episode crosscode incredible <laughs> game i highly recommend uh definitely check it out and if you have game pass you know even better yeah no know, brainer. Spend- check it out uh cool do you want to take a break and then come back and talk about a bunch of stuff i would love to take a break that'd be great cool okay i'm Goodbye. fucking done <laughs> 
I'm done. I'm going to log off. I'm going to go to sleep on this fake island. <laughs> on this MMO island. The playground. Goodbye. Bye. Steven, we're in the break. I just wanted to talk very quickly about a game I'm playing on iOS. Um, I downloaded a bunch of Apple Arcade games that were recommended to me recently, which I was really excited to like check out some Apple Arcade stuff. Uh, yeah. I also downloaded um, Democratic Socialism Simulator, which is a game we talked about in our yeah. uh, Season 3 premiere, which is not on Apple Arcade, but is on iOS now, which I didn't realize. Oh, cool. Um, so I downloaded that uh, and um, another game called Necrobarista. Uh, which, oh I was, <laughs> which I was really excited to play and uh, didn't play either of them because instead I started playing Soda Dungeon 2. Um, wow, what a journey. Yeah, so here's the thing. There was a game, it came out a while ago on iOS, and it was called Soda Dungeon. And this is a game in which you uh, are essentially hiring people from a tavern that only sells different kinds of sodas uh, to go into a dungeon for you to fight a bunch of like horrible beasts uh, and eventually kill like a dark lord who lives in that dungeon. Uh, and that that's what Soda Dungeon is all about. Uh, over the course of time, you unlock new sodas, which will attract new kinds of patrons to that bar. Uh, and then you can hire those patrons. But when you're actually playing the game, like the 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 uh, the people that you're hiring to go into the dungeon for you, they're just like doing all the actions uh, essentially by themselves. The game is playing itself automatically. You're just like hiring things and managing things and up upgrading the, the tavern and stuff like that. Um, so I played that game a shitload way back in the day when I was at a job where like I, I literally wasn't doing anything except for like my own shit uh, technically on the side. Like I was spending a lot of time just like kind of doing whatever I wanted at that job and and playing Soda Dungeon a lot. And it was a great game to have because you just need to check in with it like once every like half hour whenever like those people like finish their run of that dungeon. Um, so Soda Dungeon 2 came out last month. I didn't realize it. Um, I I really liked the first one and I, I am excited at the prospect of a second one. I downloaded it and I've already played in like the last like two or three days. I played like 10 to 12 hours of this Oh wow! Um, just by having it on and like running in the background yeah, while I'm doing yeah. other stuff. But I mean, it's it's great. So first of all, it's free, which is worth noting. So like if you're looking for like a good like idle esque incremental game, um, Soda Dungeon 2, really good, uh, makes a lot of really interesting improvements and, and additions. Um, it adds uh, like a bunch of other things you can do in the town. So like you upgrade the town and not just like the bar that you're in. Uh, so you can get like a, a blacksmith to like upgrade items and things like that. Uh, you, you get like a a, a like a carpenter who builds new things uh, in your town, like a stable for pets. Like I have a pet whale that like boosts the health of everybody in my party, uh, which that. is like really goofy. But yeah. the thing that I think this game is doing really well, and the reason I wanted to bring it up and, and not just play it silently and never tell anybody about it because it's like a, a dark shame <laughs> that I have um, is, is I think that this game uh, is actually doing something really interesting with its narrative in that the first dungeon you go into, it has a hundred floors. So you have to beat a hundred floors to get to the top floor and that's where the dark lord lives and and the dark lord is this like really goofy villain who like keeps sending me emails which is really funny like one of the first <laughs> things you do is you get it you get like an inbox um and and the dark lord keeps sending you emails that are like ha hey uh dude just saw like you might have accidentally walked into my dungeon um i just want you to know it's private property please stay off the like please stay off my property like it's gonna be fine just like don't do it again thanks sorry if this is awkward like talk to you later um and then you like make it to floor 50 and he's like hey i sent you that last letter just want to make sure that you saw it like i really don't want you 
you in here. <laughs> like, this is my dark, evil dungeon. I actually would, like, really prefer if you stayed out. Um, thank you so much. Like, I, I don't want to have to, like, you know, make this worse than it actually is. And then uh, and then you make it to the top and he's like, oh, shit, man. Like, come on. Just get out of my fucking dungeon. Then you fight him uh, and you beat him because, you know, you can. Uh, and immediately he's like, oh, shit, that is not what I thought was going to happen at all. And he opens up a wormhole and he goes into another dimension. And then this is like every idle game ever has this thing where like once you finish it, kind of like Call of Duty 4, weirdly, or like all the Modern Warfare games, once you make it to the top level, the game resets itself. You technically like prestiging in a way. Um, so you lose some stuff and you keep some stuff, but you make it into the next dimension. And when you show up in the next dimension, nobody knows who you are. You have to rebuild the town. You have to rebuild all this stuff. But now the dungeon has 200 floors instead of 100. And every time you prestige the game, it adds another 100 floors. Um so I'm like four or I, th- I think four. I think I'm four dimensions in uh, to this game at the moment. And at this point, uh, the Dark Lord is hanging out outside the dungeon. He's like, yeah, I went in here and like I tried to set up my dungeon again. But there was another guy in there who says he's the Darker Lord and he kicked me out immediately. So like <laughs> I know that you and I have had like some weird shit going on. But if you wouldn't mind going in and taking him out, then like we can get back to the normal thing that's supposed to happen happen where i'm kicking your ass uh which is like (laughs) so funny it is so like the game's writing is so good that's so Um, good they've done really an outstanding job with it uh so it's called soda dungeon 2 it's on ios and android and i also think steam or pc um so you can check it out it's free um there are a couple like uh there there are a couple in-app purchases that you can check out um i would recommend getting the one that gets rid of ads it's like two bucks and then it gets rid of all the ads in the game which is great that's the one that i did um just because a i wanted to support this game because it's cool and i've already played 12 hours of it and uh b it's great to not have ads um so yeah soda dungeon 2 cool thing would recommend um not for everyone absolutely uh but it is for me and it's going to be a thing that i get a lot of mileage out of so yeah very into it i love the idea of adding a narrative to talk about like kind of meta like i love the idea of adding a story to the idea of prestiging a game oh it's great yeah like having at least the villain or what being aware of like oh shit like you're back yeah send you another email that's great i love that um yeah when i when i beat i think it was the the third dimension it was the 300th floor um he's like i'm sick of fighting you i don't want to do this anymore fight this thing and he just gives like it's a huge lobster um and and you fight the lobster and he's like all right you beat me but at least i didn't spend the last five minutes fighting a lobster and then he (laughs) jumps into a dimension and splits um Oh and uh, the the first the first I think it's the boss on the hundredth floor now is always a janitor who's like it's my job to keep the hundredth floor clean <laughs> and he just beat he's like really brutal he just like kicks the shit out of you um, all of his attacks do like a wild amount of damage I don't know it's really good it's it's a really fun thing uh, every time you go to a new dimension there's a there's a wizard's tower that you have to build in the first uh, village it's always there whenever you prestige and the wizard is the only one who knows re- who you are whenever you show up in the new place and he's always like oh yeah, yeah. like the first guy's named Merlin and then the second guy's name is like Whirlin and the third guy's name is like Gurlin <laughs> <laughs> and it's like oh yeah we're all related <laughs> that's so I funny know. i love that yeah it's great yeah so did dungeon, so dungeon 2. 2 i just wanted cool, to man. bring it up because i've been having a great time with it yeah cool my only regret is i need to know what necro barista is <laughs> that's the only thing you left me hanging with um i've heard it described as um a coffee talk adjacent game oh, okay gotcha. um, that is doing something a little bit uh more interesting 
not cool. to dunk on coffee talk because i haven't played it but um that's how i saw it described and that's why i checked it out or that's Sweet. why i downloaded it at least so i'm excited to play it i'll, I'll get back to it yeah yeah soda dungeon 2 sounds great yeah it's really fun it's really goofy yeah um cool. again extremely not for everyone i mean it's free so like maybe check it out why not but uh yeah but I, I would not be surprised if most people listening to this checked it out and did not enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I at least enjoyed the elements you highlighted. So it's cool yeah, to hear about. I've, I've been sending you and AJ all my screenshots of the game. I got yeah. a quest. I got a quest recently. Um, let me bring this up. The emails are funny too because it has like a silhouette of his like kind of Lovecraftian being. You yeah. Know? And it's like, hey, haha, thanks for coming. Yeah, it was, it was the third dimension where uh, his new movie's like, I'm going to give you a quest. And the quest is don't be a big, stupid idiot. And and, <laughs> and your reward oh, yeah, is a bunch of diamonds. Uh, and then when you make it to the top of the floor and you beat him, uh, it it's like quest failed. And you get an achievement that's like fail a quest for the first time. <laughs> that's, great. that's awesome. I love uh, that. Cool. All right. Let's cool. uh, leave the break and talk about the game that you've been playing, which I'm excited to hear about. Episode 100, first successful uh, length break. It's not secretly <laughs> another segment. Uh, <laughs> unless you want to talk about Game Pass. <laughs> I could. Do you see the so new I, man. Halo Infinite I mean, but- announcements? <laughs> that wasn't a dunk on you. I just feel like whenever Game Pass comes up, it weirdly elongates the conversation for both of us. <laughs> it's so interesting, Stephen. The best deal in gaming. Brendan, we are back from the break, and I have a game I'm excited to bring to the table. Uh, I was very inspired after our Pokemon Crystal episode to continue playing on my 3DS uh, and and looking at the virtual console on the 3DS. And I just want to say, this literally might be exciting only to me, but... (laughs) If you still got a 3DS and you want, if you if you like playing games on your 3DS, uh, the Virtual Console is incredible. Like so many great games, like that that would cost thirty dollars or more anywhere else, unless it's an emulator. Yeah, are like seven dollars. You can get. You know, we got Crystal for ten, mm-hmm. uh, and I also got like you know uh, Mario Two, the like Lost Levels that's on there. I got like every like big like you know Zelda Mario. I think Earthbound is on there, right? Earthbound's on there only if you have the new 3DS, which is kind of whack. Which I do. still, which you do, and it's $10, which is, that is, I can tell you, the cheapest way to get Earthbound. Yeah. Even if you have to buy a new 3DS, it's still the cheapest (laughs) way to get Earthbound. (laughs) There are a few that are, are, uh, Mega Man X is on there for new 3DS. Oh, nice. But like, it's just an incredible thing. Uh, I I, I just want to highlight that. Um, I think it's a great deal. And I I took advantage of it to like, just get, because I know in some other countries they have stopped supporting it. I wouldn't be surprised if like in a couple years they stop in the US as well. So while it's there, and if you have your 3DS, like definitely take advantage of it. All that to say, I recently picked up uh, Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. Um... I also got ages, so I got both. Oh, uh, nice. Because they're like $7. This is a Zelda game that I have not played. Uh, I've played most of them. Oh, you haven't played them either? No. The only ones I've missed are like Zelda 2, the side-scrolling one, the CDI ones, and Minish Cap. Are the only ones I haven't played. Yeah. Um, I have not played the CDI ones, but I have played those other two. These games came out at an interesting time. So they're originally on Game Boy Color, uh, came out, I think, in like 2000, 2001. 
These came out after Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, but they are on Game Boy Color and they're very much at least rooted in this sort of retro Zelda style, which I think is really interesting. So I was thinking about not not Zelda timeline, but I was thinking about like actual <laughs> Zelda timeline, like when do these games come out? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, you had Legend of Zelda for the NES and then you have Zelda 2, which is like the side scroller. And, and that game is kind of weird because... At that point, there was only one Zelda game. There wasn't really an expected formula. So they tried something different. It didn't really work. And then the next game was Link to the Past, which still is the blueprint. Like, you know, Link to the Past in many ways, even though we've seen it, you know, like if you play Link to the Past and then you play Breath of the Wild, it's like two different universes. But like (laughs) the, the, the when people think Zelda, it's a variant of Link to the Past in some way. Even Ocarina of Time, like when you go back and play those old 2D ones, you can see see that ocarina was very much a 3d interpretation of that formula yeah and it's kind of amazing how well that worked given like how they had just figured out how to do 2d zelda and then immediately <laughs> right, it, right it's literally like zelda 1 zelda 2 linked to the past they figure it out then link's awakening for the game boy and then ocarina mm. so I, I, the Oracle games are kind of interesting because Ocarina, again, kind of redefined what people expected Zelda to be. They followed it up with Majora's Mask, which was like a very different spin on it. And then you have these Game Boy games that are like kind of a return to form, but actually playing them, they're also doing something very unique. And I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah, please so, tell me. I I, yeah. th- I have like absolutely <laughs> no idea what these games are. I yeah. just know that they exist. I don't know why there's two of them. But okay, cool. I, I honestly, to be completely honest, like as a person who i would say i'm pretty like tapped into the general like consensus about most things in in the world of video games i don't even know what like the general opinion of these games is i don't know i am so beyond their existence i know nothing yeah it's weird like the handheld zelda games i think have like a rockier reputation because Mm -hmm. like link's awakening is beloved and obviously got the remake on switch which i still want to check out eventually i hear it's wonderful but you got link's awakening which is which is beloved and link's awakening is kind of like i remember reading that the people working on it or maybe even miyamoto himself said this that they were making a satire of zelda yes that is that is one of the goofier entries and like mario's in it and the chain chomps in it talk about meta it's very much like kind of poking fun at the formula they had just figured out right <laughs> it's like the most it's like <laughs> such a power move to, to make a satire of yourself the minute you find your voice <laughs> um but uh after link's awakening and and not including the oracle games the other handheld games were the wind waker sequels for the ds which were like well actually so it's link's awakening then the Oracle games on Game Boy Color. Then on the Game Boy Advance, they re-released Link to the Past with Four Swords, which was awesome. That's mm-hmm. where I played Link to the Past for the first time. Uh, honestly, Game Boy Advance was like half a Super Nintendo emulator. Like yeah, a lot for of for real. Yeah, it feels Super like Nintendo the Switch games. in a weird way. Yeah, like the Switch is just playing a bunch of Wii U stuff that nobody played. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like yeah. the the Chrono tr- uh, uh, Chrono Triggers on DS, but like you can get Final Fantasy VI on Game Boy Advance, and it's like yeah. great. Uh, you can get Yoshi's Island. Uh, it's incredible. So that was what Zelda was on. And then Four Swords is sort of like a cooperative adventure that they added on to, which is cool. Uh, and then for the DS, you had uh, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, which were the Wind Waker sequels, which as a huge Wind Waker fan, I despise. <laughs> I hate those games. Uh, I, I hate's a strong word, but I think it's not a hot take to say that those are the worst. Like other than Skyward Sword, those are like Phantom Hourglass was list. at least like 
playable. Like I I pl- I finished that one. Spirit Tracks was like you play that for an hour and a half and like immediately turn it off. They were they were fine if they were not. Uh, and this this is this is what I say. I said this in the Discord about Skyward Sword. The weakest Zelda games, not counting CDI ones. If they were not Zelda games, they would be like totally fine, if not great. But like <laughs> yeah, yeah. you make a sequel to Wind Waker, one of my favorite games ever, and it's Spirit Tracks. Like come on, man, it's rough. Yeah. It's like prequels territory anyway so i i like you had not one day you and i are gonna do a bonus episode about the star wars prequels and and (laughs) everyone's gonna unsubscribe simultaneously in relationship to spirit tracks so (laughs) (laughs) here's why beetle is the kit fisto of hyrule we already did that episode yeah truthfully um that's our show basically anyway uh i had kind of unfairly written off the Oracle games just as like oh like i don't really like the only game boy zelda game that i i really loved was link between worlds and playing link to the past and game boy advance uh i didn't play link's awakening until later but like while i liked link's awakening i i just have never clicked as much and and this is again very high ceiling here like i've always my, my first zelda was ocarina so i've always just gravitated towards the 3d ones a little bit more than this sort of traditional dungeon crawler ones so all that to say the oracle games uh they are uh i would say kind of alongside link's awakening and tone and that they're like very goofy and seemingly self-aware I, I'll, I'll say what they are and why they're two so uh these are also game boy color kind of specific games i think you had to play them in game boy color and they were developed by a subsidiary of capcom so this is like one of the first times other than i guess i think minish cap was also the same it was with flagship so capcom is working on this and the deal is that even though they're coming out at the same time they're they're different games so it's kind of a conquest and uh, birthright situation where Oracle, uh, they're literally in different settings, different dungeons, different everything. Wow. Uh, and Oracle of Seasons is more action focused, whereas Oracle of Ages is more puzzle focused. So that was sort of the selling point where it's like, Wild. if you want something that's more about like, I guess like, uh, you know, action, not only in combat, but just in like the how the dungeons are played, uh, you'll go for Seasons and Ages is more puzzle centric on top of that you also have the central mechanic that in age of seasons you early on get an item that is a wand that if you're on a tree stump you change what the season is and it will like you know change the environment in a way that will let you get to certain places and others whereas uh, oracle of ages is about traveling between the past and the present kind of like ocarina Mm. so i i got both but i was more drawn to seasons just because i i had done the time thing before i wanted to see yeah. what that was like and there seems to be a different central character so in oracle of ages uh the secondary character to link is um an oracle named nehru uh, after the goddess nehru one of the three goddesses of hyrule she is the goddess that personifies wisdom of the triforce yeah and in seasons you've got din who personifies power which i was also intrigued by because power is so synonymous with ganondorf but Din is a good goddess. Din is Din is the goddess of the red earth, the goddess of the uh, Gerudo and the Gorons. And just that power so often is is kind of defiled by mortal hands. Yeah. Whereas you can't really warp courage that strongly. You, know? <laughs> you can't be too wise or too brave. But you can always be too powerful. And what does that mean? 
So I've only played Ages currently. Oh, and one more thing on the mechanics of the game. If you have both, they can tell one big story together. So oh. when you beat one, you get a generated password that when you play the other, you can enter at the no start. No way. And that will have things carry over and might like change. It, it, will, it will basically, you can choose which game becomes the first game in this like mini That's series. incredible. Isn't that cool? Like, that is honestly, really cool. Yeah. I kind of wish more games did that. And I see I, why I you wanted like, to bring this up in relation to Pokemon Crystal because that, that feels to me so much like everything Crystal was doing was so wildly ahead of its time. Um, yeah. This feels like the earliest version of what would become like the Mass Effect, like Shepard carrying yeah. over from one to two to three. Yeah. And I think it's cool, too, in that like, OK, like you'll probably want to get both. But it seems like they're each doing their own thing and they have their own story. Yeah. So I was sold right away because <laughs> the game begins. It doesn't waste any of your time. Link like is passed out somewhere and Din's like, what are you doing? Get up. Din <laughs> rescues you and you wake up and you go to this village and Din is just dancing like on stage just dancing and yeah. everyone's like din rules you were like fucked and din saved you like <laughs> uh you should talk to her like she really cared about you and then you talk to her she's like hey link like i'm glad you're healthy do you want to dance and you say yes and then it, there's literally a game boy color cutscene of like link sweaty and nervous dancing next to this like gerudo goddess you know just like awkwardly and i was like this is incredible this is the best intro to a zelda game i've experienced and then like of course lightning strikes and this dude who in my, in my head canon the villain is so pissed off that he's not ganondorf he's just trying to be even more evil yeah so his name is onyx it's like o-n-n-o-x he shows up and he's like he literally like it is the dialogue is basically like I'm here because I'm evil and I like it that way. Basically, like uh -huh. he says something like that, which based on the scene that preceded it, I'm like, this game feels like a Link's Awakening kind of having fun with the formula and like taking it a little bit lighter. Yeah. And Onyx captures Din. And by doing so, Din is actually the Oracle. She's the Oracle of Seasons. And by kidnapping her, the seasons are out of whack. So like whenever you leave, like, you know, it, it's it's structured in a way like uh, Link to the Past or any of the older Zeldas where like there's a square, you know, and if you go to the next part of the map, it, it loads over. When you do that for an area, it might just suddenly be fall or winter or spring. And like, that's cool. You know, in the town, there's a kid who like in the spring will jump on this big flower. And when it's winter, he jumps into the snow uh, and all the farmers are like, what the fuck do we do? Like, what is this? Yeah. You got to save Din. And you start out with nothing. Like, you don't even have a sword for the first like 15 to 20 minutes of this game. You just are like really kind of left powerless with Din being taken away. You're kind of with all the townspeople like, uh, I guess talk to the tree. Um, so you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, he classic. has a different name, but you talk to the, the Deku tree kind of stand in who yeah. is like asleep. You, you you have to talk to him by swinging your sword at his snot bubble. So, of course, you have to find a sword first. Yeah. So you go. It says enter with bravery. And the game is really good. It's this really delicate balance of sort of esoteric old game design. But like every character tells you very specific hints. They'll be like, oh, I wish my torch was lit or like enter with bravery. And, and there's a cave called Hero's Cave where 
you will say you can find a sword. It's, okay, I probably need a sword to get in here. Yeah. So you go to Hero's Cave and there's a whole like mini dungeon you have to navigate with no items and no sword, which I thought was fascinating. And then you eventually find your sword, you go to the tree and, and uh, then the game kind of kicks off in a traditional way. But what I also find really interesting is that the game is structured in that you have two item keys, A and B, and you don't have to have your sword equipped. So you can have like a boomerang and bombs or like whatever of your many key items cool and the game does a great job i think something i have a pet peeve with for some zelda games is, th- is this idea that once link to the past set the formula there are some zelda games where you go to the dungeon you get the item that is designed for that dungeon and then you never use that item again Right. Uh, I think specifically that happens in Twilight Princess where like you get such cool items in that game. You get the boogie board uh, cog. You get the, yeah. the the wand that brings statues to life, but you never really use them again. Whereas I think in the most successful Zelda games, you, you always have this growing arsenal that you rely on. So there's that sense of growth where it's not just like I need a key for this specific dungeon that is this item, but rather it's okay. Now I have even more abilities and now I can see even more of the map out outside of this one dungeon right um and that's what happens and that leads you to plot progression also leads you to finding you know hidden items and i f- i find that this game is really uh also rooted in the idea of the early zeldas and ironically in breath of the wild and that it wants you to explore you know wants you to play around with this with this world and really talk to people and like digest clues and figure things out yourself it's really good it, I, i'm really blown away by it and i think it's easily like already i'm only you know four hours into seasons but like it's already i think my favorite handheld zelda experience and maybe like approaching my like top you know five or six zeldas wow Uh, time will tell but like i think it's a really delicate balance of tone um i really like how silly it is and, and i think it's in on the joke i think the writing is so on the nose but it's also really weird like Pretty shortly after the first dungeon, you fall into this wormhole of this, like, other reality where people are, like, kind of like Final Fantasy Black Mages. And they're like, oh, you want a boomerang? You got to dance for it. This is a recurring theme of dancing. And you have to go to this house full of mages and, like... (laughs) do this really hard rhythm game to get the boomerang. And like, yeah. I find that that kind of, uh, almost like earth boundian non sequiturs, yeah. like really aid this game's setting. And, and that's always been a charm of Zelda is like the NPCs always have so much character and there's so many kind of bizarre non sequiturs, but the fact that this game is so loose and it's like, what is the a plot? I mean, there's obviously a, a critical path of like dungeons, but, like, they always leave you feeling a little clueless that, like, you don't ever feel like you're either on a critical path or doing a side quest. You're always just exploring and trying to figure it out. Do you think that's intentional or do you think that's, like, do you think that's kind of accidental just by nature of it being a Game Boy Color game? And like, I think just... it's intentional. Really? I think it's intentional yeah. based on the placement of things and based on like what they're showing you in the beginning and then what items you get and then your desire to maybe go back to those areas. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can only change the weather on tree stumps. So there's like really purposeful map design. So I think that like, you know, they they seemingly want you to always think about where you've been before. And I think that, you know, there could be a little bit of unplanned intention with like that feeling of looseness maybe. But I think in terms of like the design of the game, is really well done 
And in seasons, I'm playing the more action one. The dungeon I've done has been largely about like, you know, there are some rooms where it's like fight all the enemies and clear it out. And that's how you progress. But there are other ones where it's like there are train tracks and I have to ride a cart to certain rooms, but I have to hit the lever to change the path. And then there's like a timing puzzle where like there are all these like those like floor spikes that move. So I have to go out and bait them and then go at the right time. So it's a little bit less of like, what item do I need and what do I need to push? But like, how do I physically navigate this space? So I think that's what they mean by action. Yeah. At least so far. It's really cool. And the music is really charming. It, it feels like uh, it, it does have that Pokemon energy in terms of the non-Sedequator NPCs, as well as some of the music. I, I find it really charming. And I, I'm definitely going to try to finish both of them. Uh, I, I I'm really excited in. to hear about the experience of finishing both of them personally yeah if, if, if that's the thing that you end up doing and like obviously don't like push yourself to do it for the show or whatever it's like only do it if you really i don't want need to. to be pushed yeah, yeah. totally um, i appreciate that but, yeah. but but this uh, that that sounds so fascinating and i almost wish that i had heard this kind of pitch about it like way earlier um, yeah because like i i don't know if i've ever really talked about this on the show like explicitly but there my first nintendo console like tv console that i had was the wii but i always had like a game boy and a color and a ds and a 3ds like i had all that stuff back in the day and and um all of that said like the first zelda game i played was twilight princess on the wii and i'd never played any of the earlier stuff and there's a certain point when i like first discovered how emulators worked and stuff like that that i went back and i played all the nintendo stuff the like tv console stuff that i had missed um because yeah. i really wanted to experience all that stuff and that's how i played uh ocarina of time and and majora's mask and um uh link to the past and the original legend of zelda and zelda 2 as we just mentioned before yeah and all that kind of stuff and for some reason the oracle games just like never stuck out to me as like ones that i needed to play um like uh, in that in that like whirlwind nintendo history tour that i gave myself back in the day the oracle games just like weren't even on my radar as things that i should have played and i, I kind of wish that i had now yeah so now i'm very interested in picking these up for 3ds also i think you would like them a lot i i would recommend getting them especially if you're 3ds because they're really cheap you can get both for you know 14 dollars. yeah um and i, th- I mean i I think I, I wouldn't kick yourself too hard for missing them because this came out at a weird time. These came out after Majora's Mask. Yeah. So like the future of the series was so current. Like the, the, they had just kind of successfully navigated to 3D that the idea of playing a back to basics game maybe wasn't that appealing to a lot of people or wasn't that appealing to people, you know, our age because my i mean our at least for me my fundamental zelda experience was ocarina of time yeah so like at that point too like game boy color was like really the turning point where game boy started to become its own thing and not like a less than but portable version of nes yeah Um, right 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 absolutely so i i think that you know now we're able to look back at stuff like crystal and at stuff like the oracle games and be like this is doing something that is that is utilizing every ounce of this hardware to do like like you said, the idea of the password to tie the games together, I think is brilliant. And like, is literally like Mass Effect. Like, that is like, yeah, <laughs> a weirdly a more graceful way. Cause sometimes loading your save into Mass Effect 2 like messes up Shepard's face. Um, <laughs> so, you know, this, I'm really excited to see how it plays out. Yeah. Man, I kind of wish they remade these games. Maybe, maybe post um, Link's Awakening remake, they they tackle these. I would love that. I would love that too. I mean, I, I guess there's a little. I mean, probably wouldn't be too hard to get Capcom to sign off on that. Uh, yeah. You know, they they have Dragon's Dogma on the Switch. Uh, <laughs> 
I mean, I think Link's Awakening did well on the Switch as well. So I think there's like, now we're in an era where there's like very clearly a market for the retro Zelda and the new Zelda. Yes. So like, because, you know, I think at, at the time of Majora's Mask, it was still so new that like, I don't know, like I said before, if like people like were really wanting one over the other. But now it's like they're totally different. They're different experiences. They're different parts of your library, even though they're the same name. Yeah, I mean, that that seems to be kind of Nintendo's M.O. also, right? Like for a while you had the Paper Mario games and then eventually you had the Mario and Luigi games and they both kind of are like attempting to do different things, right? Like Mario and Luigi at this point is more of the like original Paper Mario RPG thing that people wanted. And and Paper Mario is now kind of charting its own course and becoming something else. Yeah, Uh, although there was Mario and Luigi Paper Jam, which was the crossover between two, which is very weird. Did (laughs) Did not play it, but it sure does exist. Yeah, I think I, I'm trying to think if there's another example. I mean, honestly, I could even see that, like, I think as as Nintendo series evolve and change, there's always going to be a market for, like, what they were before. Because, like, yeah. when Nintendo series change, they change genres, not even just, like, yeah. now you yeah. can fly. Like, it's a totally different experience. So, I think that, like, I mean, you see it with Mario, too. Like, I think that Mario 3D Land is, is filling a very different place than Odyssey is. We talked about that on Game of the decade right you're, I think, you're like, always gonna have the the big 3d tentpole mario adventure and you're always gonna have like new super mario brothers alongside right. it yeah yeah so i think that oh man now you got me excited at, at the potential reality of, of uh, the new remade oracle, oracle games that'd be amazing i would love that um, <sighs> um we uh <laughs> if you do promise me this if you do check them out maybe start with ages so we can see you know oh yeah can do the inverse that'd be interesting i would love to do that yeah ages is the puzzle one it is the puzzle one yeah unless you're really drawn to seasons no um, i'm more i'm more drawn to ages i think that sounds great cool you do have more of a Nehru vibe about you. Yeah. Wisdom. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Of my, course. uh, I, the, re- the reason why that feels so much like the one I should absolutely check out is when I played Fez for the first time, there are cubes that you collect and there are anti cubes that you collect. And the cubes rely on exploration and discovery and the anti cubes rely on puzzle solving. And you can solve the game. I mean, you can finish the game by, by getting any collection of either cubes or anti cubes. And I got all the anti cubes instead of all the regular cubes. That's awesome. Which is pretty I, much the equivalent of ages versus seasons. I just feel like in in the dual release, in the like we're releasing, you know, Sword and Shield or whatever. Like I, I just feel like the Oracle games are the way to do it. Now that I'm thinking about, oh yeah, other series absolutely. That have done this that. is like. Yeah, this is incredible. What an incredible yeah. revelation that these are two completely different games. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was clearly marketed that way. Like, because even like Birthright and Conquest are different games after the first two hours. And yeah. like you, you kind of uh, one is just like harder than the other, which is still like I think in that duality, I prefer Conquest mm-hmm. uh, from what I played. I played a little bit of Birthright, but didn't really stick around too long but yeah i just think like it'd be interesting to see i don't know what other series would really try to do this it seems like a lot of work but i guess on game boy they could do a little bit faster i would never expect zelda to do this so like i don't even know what other series could potentially do it you know what i mean (laughs) yeah it's usually pokemon i guess fire emblem it's so it's so left field for it to be zelda in this case that like it really just could be anything there's a way to make Star Fox work here you know like (laughs) peppy's day off or slippy's sleepover yeah soda dungeon two and two and a half (laughs) peppy's day off is more space based Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> Slippy's sleepover is weirdly a tactical RPG. Yeah. yeah. And Falco's day on is a dating sim. <laughs> <laughs> i told you einstein i'm on your side anyway i had to say it. i'm sorry it's okay episode 100 <laughs> <laughs> that 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 pregnant silence was me debating if i should do my pigma impression or, <laughs> or the train conductor is like here you go time to end this whatever they do when they lose my favorite thing about those impressions that you do specifically is like the Yeti, the microphone that we're using, like can't handle them at all. So what actually ends up happening is it sounds compressed as if it was on an N64 cartridge. It's awesome. Every time. Husky unit. Cover the bass. I loved Bill, the dog. Bill, is that you? <laughs> um, should we wrap right. up? Should we finish the, the episode? <laughs> So many episodes end with us going like, okay. Well, I guess that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, yeah. Falco's day on. Falco's day on. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's the episode title. Uh, I hate it. All right. This is another, uh, I know like, I know no one listens to the show and goes, I wonder when they're recording this, but this is another nighttime energy episode. Oh yeah. Uh, at least for us. I've been, um, I've been like, like hand resting on arm, you know, just kind of like doing the like cool teacher pose pretty much the entirety of this recording and just like sipping sake the whole time. It's been actually a yeah. really great experience. I like you're recording sitting, the show at night every once in a while. You're sitting kind of like a Jarl in Skyrim does with like the kind of thoughtful <laughs> curled finger. Yeah. I'm on a very like uncomfortable stool, like squeezed into a corner <laughs> in not my apartment. Yeah. Anyway, you want to wrap up? Yeah. So you can sit somewhere more comfortable? I'm sorry. Do you you want me to talk more about how I'm sitting this week? (laughs) (laughs) Have you listened to episode 100? Yeah, but when is it recorded and where are they sitting? (laughs) (laughs) And what were their high school superlatives? (laughs) Uh, Steven was class clown. He's sitting on a generic office seat. It is 9.30 p.m. Central time. (laughs) Now that sounds like a day on to me. (laughs) <laughs> how was your day on or off um <sighs> okay episode 100 here's the thing it they've all been really fun <laughs> to record and like that That's sounds like that sounds like a joke but it's actually very true uh yeah. it this it's wild how much fun recording the show is and like in thinking about the past oh, over two years two years of doing this show it's really kind of wild to like think back and be like, I actually did want to record every single time we did. Um, that is so rare for podcasts to like never have a moment where it's like, oh, my God, I have to record today. I'm like stressed about it or like e- even even a, a, a modicum of like, I don't want to do it today. It's always fun and it's always cool and it's always good. And I think that comes through in the episodes and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's great. I'm glad that we're doing it and I can't wait to do another hundred. Me too, man. I mean, I, I felt really uh, I felt really touched when you were talking. I mean, I, I got like hit with the nostalgia wave of like where where we were when this started, you know, what time of day and where we were sitting. But truthfully, like <laughs> where we were in our lives when this started, where we are now and, and like how effortless it's been to record it, you know? Yeah. At, at the very least, like I feel like mathematically there 
should be an episode that at least we felt while recording like oh that one sucked or like i didn't enjoy making that yeah um and i haven't felt that way yet not saying there isn't maybe a bad episode that like you might not enjoy dear listener but we've enjoyed making them at the very least and i like which is maybe worse (laughs) (laughs) you didn't like hurley well i enjoyed recording it uh <laughs> Sick Weezer reference for you. Yeah, man, I I, I love this show. I, I can't believe it's been a hundred episodes. It's fe- it's felt like uh, I can't remember what I did before it. You know that I just like go up to my friends and go like Persona Five is good, <laughs> and here's why. Yeah, yeah. I just tweeted all this stuff instead of saying it into a microphone to you. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, it's great. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that we're doing it and I'm glad that it's still happening. And yeah, thank you so much to everybody who's listening to it. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, but like, it's wild that of the thousands and thousands of video game podcasts that exist, you've chosen to listen to this one. I mean, that's like an amazing thing. And like, I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. Truly. Yeah. I, th- I think that's like such a wild thing. Yeah. I'm actually having a hard time like putting into words how, how meaningful that is. So maybe I'll stop trying. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Into the Aether, a low-key video game podcast. If you want to follow us on any platform, we are on Twitch and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can go to intothecast.online. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to share it with a friend. Um, we've said many times on this show that like we want it to uh, spread via word of mouth. I mean, that's like kind of that's kind of the mm-hmm. best way, I think, for for this community to grow in a way that feels like organic and natural and like, I don't know, not shitty. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Just like share it with people that you think would like it. Outside of that, if you are listening to the show and you're not part of the discord, please go to the worst garbage online and click on the button mm-hmm. to join the discord because it's a really great place. Yeah, it's um, wonderful. I I mean, there's so many channels that are all really wonderful. Uh, so, like, anything you want to talk about is in there. Any, anything on your end? Oh, yeah. Also, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash into the cast. Um, as we've said every week for months at this point, um, if backing the show in any way, I don't know, it hurts you financially, like, just don't back the show. And, like, we're totally cool with it. Um, we've gotten messages from people in the past that are like, ah, I had to pull my funding for this month or something fine like please do it like the show does not really cost anything to make that was kind of part of the whole deal with making it um it it is it is a labor of love between us we just we just wanted to do it and we wanted to exist out in the world so uh yeah yeah it it, it allows us to do more and and uh you know we we pay aj obviously for his hard work but yeah the, the, yes. the mantra the show can exist without that but the show can grow with the support so yeah, that's that's absolutely. how it works yeah but yeah I, I totally echo everything you said yeah man it's i i'm 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 very proud of both of us i i love you i love doing the show with you it's been great i'm excited to do more 100 more Steven. please yes 100 <gasps> more episodes he is my oracle of ages, so wise. Um, do you want to say thank you to AJ also for producing the show? Thank he, you, AJ. He's been, he's been doing this you. show for a long time, too. Yeah, since March of 2019. Why do I remember that? Sekiro episode. Oh, it was the Sekiro episode. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. very specific. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, wow, what an episode to come in on. If if I AJ, do you want to rec- do you want to produce this show and also have all of Sekiro spoiled for you? <laughs> Hey, Edge, you got eight hours to burn. <laughs> Want to hear me cry at hour seven? Um, 
uh, is AJ courage? If your wisdom and unpower is AJ courage, I, like I, would, I have to. It takes a lot of courage to look at our MP3 files and and decide to <laughs> edit them. We're just making dungeons for AJ to deal with. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're AJ. leaving items, and I'm leaving traps and like weird like worms that eat your, eat your shield. How many other podcasts talk about their producers this much? Um, I've I've heard of a couple. <laughs> I don't know. Love out of my own jokes. I have no idea, but they I just should like, all I talk just like AJ as the hanging specter above all of this. Yeah, none of this true, exists yeah. without him. It's great. Right. AJ's gonna wake up in a chamber like lit by blue light and we'll be like, Hello, you are older now. You have to go to the <laughs> shitty world that's now your home. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's like, oh, fuck. All right. I guess I'm brave. Anyway. Um, hey, AJ, reach out to me at some point and, and let's talk about how we're going to record games of the, the year this year. I have some ideas. Yeah, I've been thinking about. Oh, OK, cool. I, I'm, I'm excited so excited to, to do games of the year this year because it's been such yeah. a weird year. I mean, you know, obviously it's totally. been like truly horrible with the pandemic and all the other things that have been happening. But in terms of video games, um, it's been like a really interesting and wild year. And I'm so interested to have to record this hey does crosscode count as a game we can talk about as game of the year or does it not because it came out two years ago oh uh, that's like the this is your rule <laughs> if, if if our show is if i can compare a show to les mis that's like my javert justice that i had to eventually <laughs> let go of because yep. i love crosscode so much my heart is stone and still it trembles the world i have known is lost in shadows my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley i'm stephen hilger you can find me at falcosdayon.us <laughs> um it is not suitable for work so <laughs> maybe open it's on newgrounds.com <laughs> <laughs> oh good lord i'm stephen hilger you can find me at stephen hilger follow uh, stephen on instagram as well what's your instagram uh my instagram is <laughs> i love how this is following falcosdayon speaking of that uh my Instagram is uh, Stephen Hilger Art, I believe. Yeah, Let me double check that. Follow that because that's where Stephen Hilger's art is, and it's good. And he just did a Fire Emblem piece that's really fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I drew them. Uh, I drew all the house leads and the retainers, just like hanging out in modern day fashion. It's a fun, fun piece. Yeah, one year since um, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses came out. Yeah, that, that's why I did. I wanted to celebrate. My um, partner is outside playing it again right now. She's doing her second run of the game, which is exciting. I saw that, and I was gonna text one of you, and I was. Like, I need to chill. Like, <laughs> which house did you choose and why? Um, this time she's doing Golden Deer, which is great for me. I'm very happy. She was Black Eagles first, right? Yep. Yep. I love that. Another trifecta because uh, yeah. we were Blue Lions, Golden Deer. I imagine we'll probably both do Blue Lions at the same time. And then I, and then you can text us as much as you want. Oh, man. Yeah. Call me. Live live chat. Whatever <laughs> service you want. Live chat at dayon.gov. Will do. All um, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's Stephen Hilger underscore art is my Instagram handle. I have to double check it. But yeah, uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, This is a fun one to record as always, and we will see you next Wednesday. Yeah, and stay tuned for uh, the bonus episode this month, which uh, I don't want to hype up too much, but like it's fun. I mean, you and I are very excited about the idea of it, which, you know, if if this show exists for us to be excited about talking about video games, then uh, this bonus episode is going to be a really fun one. Totally. I, I also like I think this is also we're approaching the year of doing bonuses. Yeah. So uh, and that's also kind of by result of feedback. So I think, you know, always share with us what you'd like to see uh, Patreon or not. Like, you know, what directions you think the show could grow or what you see we're doing that maybe we could lean into more. 
So the bonuses have been a really fun way to maybe focus on one thing specifically or experiment with the formula of the show. And we are we have, I think, most not only do we have this month's plan, but we have most of the year. Yeah, the I think we have the, the rest of planned, the year planned out, actually. Uh which is really fun. So uh stay tuned. Yeah. Ooh. Wild. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> okay. let's wrap this up. Okay. Uh uh goodbye. We already said where you can find us. <laughs> goodbye. Thank you so much, everyone. Talk to you I later. just want to say one final note, episode 100, self-aware commentary, meta, cross-code adjacent energy. Uh-huh. I want to say that we have a, <laughs> a show that is doing well that ends always with us going goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> the show is doing okay. And that's how every episode ends. So I don't know. I guess people like it. What do you want from me? <laughs> the the worst part is that whenever you and I talk on the phone, we always end our conversations on the phone the same way we end the podcast. Yeah. And I just remember the first time you and AJ and I played a video game together and we ended our like play session with that same goodbye. AJ was like, you can't do that in real life. You can't do the, the goodbye. <laughs> and that was, I think, the first time you and I realized that we do that in real life also. He is courage. I'm going to invite AJ over and he's going to walk up my tower and I'm just going to be playing organ waiting for him. Like, <laughs> like, like Davy Jones with all his tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> okay, for real. Goodbye. We got to go. We're just giggling. Goodbye. Goodbye.